The Astraea Trilogy Written and read by Seymour Hamilton Book Two The Men of the Sea Chapter Thirteen In Which Astraea Wakes Up at the Inn Astraea woke and stared up at a ceiling he had never seen before. He was lying on the floor with his feet towards a fireplace, his head pillowed by a rolled-up cloak, and another was over him. A cautious wriggle told him that there was something between him and the floor, but it was neither thick nor comfortable. The room was lit by the fire and a lamp above the table, where someone was chopping something. He rolled his head to watch and saw Lindy. She left the table, went over to the fire to stir a pot, a long-handled spoon in one hand. He stared at her as if she were someone he had never seen before. "'Hello?' said Estrella. "'Oh, good, you're awake.' Her face turned toward him, a smile lighting her eyes. He was suddenly wholly captivated. He saw so clearly that it was almost as if he could touch the strand of blonde hair that framed the curve of her cheek. He could have gone on looking indefinitely, but the kitchen door burst open. "'I just finished sweeping out before the evening rush,' said Cam, as he came into the room. "'It's a bit early, even for the regulars,' said Damon, who was following him. "'How's Estrella?' "'He doesn't know,' said Lindy. "'Know what?' Estrella asked, pushing himself into a sitting position, facing the fire. "'Know what's happened since you went out like a light.' "'I what?' You seemed fine until we got here, so we didn't notice. You led the way up from the molly, never said a word to Roaring Jack. You just waved to the others and headed for the inn. You used Walt's key, your key now, to get in, then you sat down in front of the fireplace. I think I remember sitting down. It felt good. That's the last thing. Well, what you did was pass out with your eyes open, said Damon. Cam thought you were dead. Gave us a scare when he screamed. But it didn't wake you. That's when I started to worry. I yelled. I did not scream. I don't like stiffs. And that's what you looked like with your eyes wide open. And if I yelled a bit, it was cause I was remembering the two old folks on the ship. Besides, Damon, you weren't any too calm either. Lindy checked to see that you were breathing, and then Cam and I put you to bed where we could keep an eye on you. Cam told us you'd been without proper sleep for more than a week, said Lindy. Estrella looked at Cam, who grinned at him cheerfully. Lindy was the only one making any sense. She stopped Damon going on and on about green stones with mystical powers and stuff like that. Estrella's fingers flew to his arm to reassure himself that his clasp was still there, and then looked around wildly. My jacket! Lindy pointed towards a stool near his feet. Beside you! Estrella reached for the black sharkskin jacket and peeled back the protective flaps over the pockets. He drew out the egg-shaped metal casket, undid the catch, opened the top third to reveal the stone nestled inside. Then he swung his left hand over it in the gesture he had learned from Oron. All three gasped when the stone blazed with a green light. Damon shuddered. Weird! Estrella, you nicked one of them stones! Nice work! How'd you do it? I put it in my pocket when I knew they were going to toss me over the side. Your cousins? Estrella nodded. My closest living relatives, Adamant, Dabby, and Walt. Dabby stole the shipstone from his father's ship. That gave me the idea. So when they didn't believe me that Gar's stone was working again, and Adramin was talking Walt into doing his dirty work, I put Mias's shipstone in my pocket while I was covering up the plotting table. 
three puzzled faces looked up at him. Miesa was my aunt, master, um, mistress of Silver Swan. His explanation didn't seem to be helping them, so he took another tack. They were going to kill me, so I stole the stone to spite them. They ain't going to be any too pleased when they figure it out. So are we supposed to be happy? Estrella shrugged. It's accursed. And if that wasn't enough, Mufred will guess you took it and come looking for it with blood in his eye. Mufred hasn't got a shipstone, and couldn't use one if he had. He thinks I'm on Cygnus, and everybody aboard Cygnus thinks I drowned. Except Walt, said Lindy. Except Walt, said Estrella, but I doubt he'll talk. So what good is it? demanded Damon. I can navigate by it, and I can use it to see where the other stones are. Can they see it in return? Lindy asked. Estrella nodded. Aboard Cygnus, Debbie can, if it's not in its metal egg. Mufred, on elusive, can't. Damon grimaced. So long as you're waving it around, the brothers can hunt us down. Not when it's in its case, and only when there's nothing between, like when the ships are at sea. Oron told me that mountains and even big rocks can block the stones. That's fine with me. You go hide it up over the ridge. I'll take you a—it'll take you about a couple of hours, and then— I know that, Damon. I'm on my way. He closed the lid of the egg, snapped the catch, started to get to his feet, and unexpectedly staggered. He saved himself from falling towards the fire by clutching at the stool and sitting down. In that position he noticed his boots drying by the fire, reached for them, and tried to make it look as if he had sat down deliberately to put them on. He's burnt out said Cam. Estrella, could you hide the stone in an underground cellar? Lindy asked. Estrella looked at her. Part of his mind considered her question carefully, but his eyes were locked onto her face, and something was happening to his breathing, making it difficult for him to answer. I don't know that it's necessary, but if it makes Damon any happier, we could try it and find out. But if I— we don't feel it pull on our clasps, then it's not going to be showing up for Dabby to see it. Who's we? There's nothing pulling on me, I hope. Seeing the concern in Damon's face, Estrella explained. Lindy has Gar's stone. You do? said Cam. Some right nice. When do I get one? Estrella slid his feet into his boots, stood cautiously, and found that if he went at it one thing at a time, he was able to think and speak clearly. There's only two other clasps in action. Dabby's wearing one. Mufred has the other that he started off mine, but it's probably not working for him. Dabby may have more that aren't lit, but I doubt he will start them, even if he can. He's certainly got some ringstones, because he started one of them for Becky. All three looked at him. He saw that each had a different understanding of what he had said. He rolled back his sleeve and looked at the stone on his arm. Clenching his teeth, he followed Gar's instructions to think north. The spear of light swivelled and pointed north. He looked up to see Lindy studying her clasp. I can move it a bit, but it's sort of heavy. It's the shipstone, but at least it's partially shielded. We should try again outside, a few paces from the inn. Not now, Estrella. We have to let in the customers, said Lindy. And anyway, you need to stay here. There's something you have to know. And right now, too, said Damon. The thing is, Strayer, that the regulars miss Walt, and they're suspicious. They're happy to drink the beer and eat Lindy's food, 
but earlier today there was a lot of conversation about the men of the sea. A couple of them were here when that man in black, Adramin, Astraea supplied, when Adramin and his men took you away. They got to talking with their friends, and a few beers later they came up with the idea that the men of the sea had come back and grabbed Walt. We think that if they saw you, they'd blame you. You're saying I should stay out of sight. You got that right, said Cam. It was mostly the drink-talkings, but even sober, there's probably more than a couple who want to punish someone just because there's been a few changes. They were all set for a fight, Damon began, but Lindy interrupted. You mean you were getting ready to draw your knife and take on a room full of drunk men to, oh, so subtly, change their minds? Very stupid. It was Cam who straightened things out. He nipped back into the kitchen, got the key, and talked them out of their nasty mood. What did you tell them, Cam? Nothing much. I told them Walt had given me the key and put me in charge until he came back. I think I'm missing something. How did that convince them? Lindy started to explain. When one of the men accused him of stealing the key from Walt, Cam said, I told him straight. I said, Right you are. I stole it. I overpowered Walt with my superior strength and lightning agility. He was a pushover. There was silence at first, said Damon. I thought maybe he'd overdone it, but eventually someone laughed, and that did the trick. They were still laughing at closing time, said Lindy, especially when Cam said that the next round was on him to celebrate his being in charge. Astraea stood stone-faced, unable to laugh. So that's why you're confined to the galley, Astraea. At least for tonight, and certainly in them clothes. Tomorrow, if we dye your hair, or maybe find you a wig— and Lindy lends you a dress, and you shaved real close. Astraea decided that Cam was joking and deliberately laughed. The sound was so forced and ill-timed that they stared at him aghast. Tears welled up in his eyes. I can't tell you. Uh, um, I can't tell you how glad I am to see all of you. Astraea did not see their worried looks. So you'd better sit down and have some food said Lindy. The rest of us have work to do. Astraea sat. Lindy offered him a bowl of stew, which he took to the table. Not there, said Cam. Someone could catch a glimpse of you when the door opens. Go over into the corner. That way you can watch. And maybe help, like washing the bowls and mugs. No, 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 don't thank me. I'd do the same for any mucky-mucky peerless navigator and all-round commander of a great ship with dozens of men at his beck and call. He pushed the door open and disappeared into the taproom. It wasn't exactly like that, said Estrella. I know, said Damon. I was there. No, you weren't, Damon, said Lindy over her shoulder as she carried a double handful of mugs out to the taproom. She hates me, said Damon. Well, not exactly hates. Disdains, dismisses, perhaps even despises. She hasn't much time for me either, said Estrella. I wouldn't say that. Well, I would. She hasn't. She stood up to the big red-haired skipper for you, and we all agreed with her. We'd never have said boo if she hadn't faced him down first. Astraea could not accept what Damon was telling him. He was sure that Lindy had only wanted to get away from the molly and to take Cam and Damon with her. They had all gone to the black sheep together, simply because of the key that Walt had inexplicably tied round his neck. Astraea was of two minds. He had wanted to be near Lindy because of the ache that had been a constant all the time that he'd been away from her. But now he could see her. He felt that she was further away than when they had been parted by the sea. 
Instead of the fond meeting he had wished for, he saw only the outcome he had feared. He was sure that she accepted him only out of a duty to a friendship that had been. He reasoned that she had rejected him because she had seen the evil of the men of the sea, and knew that he carried it within him. To be hopelessly near her seemed almost worse than being hopeful at a distance, when he could imagine that she would be as she was before he had been kidnapped. Damon left him alone by the kitchen fire. Estrella spooned chicken stew automatically until he slowly became aware that what he was eating had been grown on land. For the first time in months he could identify everything in his bowl, and none of it made him think of old Peg's gardening. The food calmed him, and he sat in front of the fire, grateful for having nothing to do. However, as he relaxed, memories from his time at sea haunted him, and with them images that he did not want to recall. With the clarity of vision that Gar had encouraged, he saw again the scene in the forbidden room as if he were about to draw it, with his grandfather and great-aunt lying dead below Cygnus' plotting-table, one face frozen in surprise, the other calm and resigned. His hand moved as if he held a stick of charcoal, and the memory of working with Gar made him see again his terrible fall from the scaffold, and the look on his face as he became aware that his plan had gone irreversibly wrong. The memory faded into one that was more recent but no less indelible. Mufred's surprise, when he saw his knife fly out of his hand. One moment he had been gloating as he told Estrella that Alana was dead, the next he was expecting to be stabbed, and a heartbeat later his face had twisted as Walt's fist smashed into his cheek. I should have finished him off, as Damon said. He doesn't deserve to live. If it's Mufred you're talking about, you're right. That's one who's beyond belief. I should have. But he just told me about what Yan did to... to... to my mother, and somehow I didn't. Lindy had come back into the kitchen in time to hear what Estrella said. You're all scrambled, Estrella. You need time to let it wash over you. You've lost your mother, and there's no stronger bond than that. Nothing. You may not feel it right now, but she's there in your mind for the rest of your life. I know. She tried to hold his eyes, but he turned away, looking as if nothing made sense to him. I couldn't go back home. Besides, Jack didn't want me aboard. I've lost my last link to the village. You make Jack feel guilty. And what's this about your last link to the village? What do you think I am? Cod tongues and cheeks? Why didn't you go back, Cam? Lindy asked. Something like Strayer. I got no close folks there, with me ma and da gone, and Silver Don wouldn't be too keen to take me back aboard his boat after I left him without a word, and sure as fate Jack wouldn't either, so what would I do? Besides, Lindy, you got it right about Jack being seriously confused. Estrella looked at him, but his thoughts were already distant from what was being said around him. The sound of raised voices made Cam turn back to the taproom. Gotta go. The folks are running dry, and that's not good. As he pushed through the door, Cam was almost flattened by Damon, coming through the other way, talking as he entered. Lindy, two chowders, four chicken stew, and all of them with extra bread. The evening rush had begun. Confined to the kitchen until later that night, Estrella saw his three companions only briefly, and in the context of the many tasks that kept them busy. Meanwhile he heated water and washed mugs, bowls, cups, and spoons. The work was dull, and only through dogged determination was he able to keep going, 
he felt that almost all his physical and mental energy had been drained from him. When the last customer left and the final tidying was done, he murmured good night without looking at anyone, trudged up the stairs, opened the first door he came to, and when he saw the room was not occupied, climbed into a bed and fell asleep. When he woke the next morning he was still exhausted. The day passed with him helping in the kitchen and trying not to think. Every now and then he caught himself staring at Lindy, and then turning away, hoping she had not noticed. He was sure she was deliberately treating him with a more distant and dismissive version of her cool friendliness to Cam and Damon. One moment Astrea wanted to demand why she was ignoring their closeness at the castle and on the way to Charton. The next he sat hopelessly silent while she talked with Cam and Damon about the work, the customers, and what needed to be done next. Astrea contemplated doing more dishes, reacted with disgust, and started pacing up and down the kitchen, until Cam suddenly appeared in front of him. "'You go on marching up and down, and we're going to have to kill you and toss your body on the fallen tide. Sit down, take this. Lindy said you could amuse yourself looking over what's in here.' Cam passed him the satchel of sketches he had drawn on the trip southwards in the molly. He turned through the collection, recalling the scenes he had sketched in charcoal, and remembering how he had inked in the details with Roaring Jack in the evenings. For a while he was content to remember what he had seen, then he became critical of how he had drawn. It was as if Gar's voice was at his ear, commending the confident lines, and pointing out the times when he had had to revise in ink what had not been clear in charcoal. Finally he slid the paper and birch bark back into the satchel, and thought about the difference between the enthusiastic Roaring Jack who had worked with him on those evenings when they were heading south, and the vindictive skipper who had thrown the satchel onto the dock in disgust. After the noon drinkers had gone or fallen asleep, and the three were enjoying a break before the evening began, he sat in front of the fire and stared into the flames, mesmerizing himself into a semi-conscious state in which he did not have to think about the succession of deaths that had marked his journeying since he left the village, or to wonder where he was fated to go next. He did not notice the concerned glances directed toward him by Lindy, Cam, and somewhat less frequently Damon, and he was unaware of the whispered exchanges among them as they talked about how withdrawn he had become. It was around mid-afternoon when Lindy spoke to him. When he did not respond, she put her hand on his shoulder. He stood up and turned to face her so quickly that he knocked her hand away. What is it now? More dishes? Or would you like me to dig out the privy? I've plenty of experience in shoveling shit. Lindy blinked and took a step back, astonished by the hostility in his voice. Even in the grip of sudden anger, Astrea knew he was being unreasonable, but he couldn't stop himself, the more so because it was only his anger that held him back from taking her in his arms. I thought you were asleep. There's food here for you. I need to get out. Lindy nodded. Astrea did not notice the quick movement of her lips or the sadness in her eyes. She spoke in a carefully reasonable voice. First have some food. Next put on clothes like they wear around here. Then go for a walk. There are boats from away in the harbor. Their crews have been coming ashore to the inn, so you shouldn't be noticed even if you are a stranger. Not from around here. Astrea silently ate his food, feeling ashamed of his outburst. Then he went upstairs, taking the satchel of sketches with him. 
In one of several drawers under his bunk bed he found a collection of spare clothes like those Walt had shown them when Lindy and he had first arrived. He dressed himself as inconspicuously as he could in a worn pair of brown canvas breeks and a shapeless double-knit sweater that had been worn and washed to the color of dead leaves. Leaving his black sharkskin clothes on the bed, he shoved the satchel into an empty drawer at his feet. He hesitated over the close-fitting black boots he had worn on Cygnus, decided against them, and went back down to the kitchen barefoot, a pair of socks in one hand, a woolen cap in the other. He pushed open the door, wondering what Lindy would think about what he was wearing. She was carving a roast ham as he entered. She put down the knife and looked at him. Estrella stood still and stared back, seeing only criticism in her evaluating look. He clenched his teeth, lest he say anything that might expose his desire to blurt out how much he had been wanting to touch her, hold her, talk freely to her. You'll do, but you need boots and a hat. He held out the knitted cap. Good. Now then, you'll be happy to learn that I've still got the boots you took off before Adramin tricked you into that wicked-looking boat. She did not add that she had kept them in a corner of the kitchen where she could see them any time she wished. Thanks, said Estrella, biting the word off to stop himself talking about how often he had thought about their unceremonious parting. They both avoided each other's eyes. I thought you would come with me. His voice sounded completely inadequate to him, but he could not go on. I did, too, she said. But I was pushed, and then I tripped. And when I stood up, you were gone. I shouted, but you—they didn't hear me. They knocked me out. I only came to when we were out at sea. He took a breath to say how he had tried to get Adramin and Oron to return for her, but was ashamed of how easily he had been persuaded to stay. Feeling Lindy's eyes on him, he looked down at the boots she had placed on the bench beside the table and said no more, for fear he might sound as if he were trying to justify himself. He bent over and silently put on his boots. "'Have a good walk, Estrella. Be careful.' His mind seething with responses that ranged from sarcasm to something more like a sob, Estrella nodded, turned, and headed toward the door. "'You have been listening to the Estrella Trilogy, Book Two. The Men of the Sea, written and read by Seymour Hamilton. All three books are available in electronic and paper formats from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Chapters. Visit astreatrilogy.com for more about Astrea's world. This audio version is licensed under the United States Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0.